podcast is a service of Bridgeway Community Church in Rockford, Michigan. Thanks for listening. Here's today's message. Did you know that the central historical fact of the Christian faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? Did you know that? It's true. All 27 New Testament books affirm that. The central historical fact of the Christian faith is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You see, had it all ended on that old rugged cross we sometimes sing about in a variety of different songs, had it all ended on that old rugged cross, there would have been no good news to share. Hmm? No bold church to bear witness. No New Testament to teach or preach. And no hope for abundant life. No hope for eternal life. But in fact, Jesus did rise from the dead. And because of that, we meet here this morning in his name, in his power, in his love and amazing grace to worship and glorify him. Above all else, we meet here to honor and declare that he is Lord, Savior, and King. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you bow with me? Holy Lord, thank you for this time that we can gather in your name. Thank you that you are our Lord, Savior, and King, that we can meet here today to hear from your holy word and to hear that word applied to our lives. Open our hearts, O Lord. Open our spiritual eyes. Open our very life to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Remember the story, the fairy tale of Sleeping Beauty? Hmm? Some of you do. There was to be, you recall, a royal wedding. And everybody who was anybody was invited. But the wicked witch was not invited. And angry over the snub, the wicked witch showed up anyway. And she put a curse on the king and queen. According to the curse, uh, they would have a daughter. And when their daughter reached the age of 18, uh, she would prick her finger on a weaving spindle. And then, then she would die. It was a terrible curse. But the king and queen managed to have the curse modified, didn't they? And according to the modification, their daughter, if she pricked her finger, uh, would not die. Instead, she would fall into a, a deep sleep a deep sleep lasting for 100 years, and only a kiss, the kiss of a real true prince would bring her back to life. Well, of course, the king and queen took every precaution against this curse. They banned all weaving spindles throughout the kingdom. But as you know, that didn't do any good. 
For on the princess's 18th birthday, after being carefully guarded for all those years, the princess decided to explore the far corners of the castle. And her tour took her to a remote tower that she'd never been in. And there she saw an old woman, who of course was really the wicked witch, and she was weaving and spinning. Well, the princess, of course, had never seen such a sight. And so she asked the old woman if she could try it. Why, yes, my dear, the wicked witch said. Come over here. Sit down. Try it. The princess does try it. And then, as you know, she pricks her finger and immediately falls into a deep sleep, along with all the rest of the castle occupants. The 100-year sleep had begun. Now, many, many years pass. The castle becomes run down, and thick, thorny bushes and vines grow up around the castle, a sleeping tomb for a sleeping beauty. But then it happens. A handsome young prince stumbles across the old rundown castle and he soon discovers the sleeping beauty. And captivated by her beauty, the prince carefully leans over her and kisses her. And the princess awakens. The curse is broken. And the two of them go off together and live happily ever after. Nice story. As you can see, this, this fairy tale, this story of Sleeping Beauty, has a lot in common with many real-life stories, doesn't it? Stories that go something like this. Young people reach early adulthood. They have everything going for them. But as though on cue, they grab onto something something called conformity, something called security, something called comfort. And it puts them to sleep, so to speak. And at that very time in their life, when the possibilities are endless for embracing and celebrating life, they shut down. They shut down. They act as though they're in an endless sleep, just like Sleeping Beauty. The Sleeping Beauty story describes this scenario as some kind of curse. A curse. It's a good word for it. And this curse is ancient, isn't it? Going way, way back, as we see in today's lesson from Mark chapter 10. I'm reading this from a compilation of the NIV, the NLT, and the NCV. If you'd like to follow along with your Bibles, you can. It'll be pretty close. Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 17. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him. And he asked, good teacher, what must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? 
No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, the rich young man said, I've kept all of these commandments since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go and sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come. Come, follow me. But when the rich young man heard this, he was shocked. He was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many, many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard, how difficult it will be to enter the kingdom of God. Why, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who? Who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. You know the story. Hmm? <laughs> You've heard this story many times. It's also found in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. A rich young man has everything going for him. He is financially secure. He has a good reputation. He is a law-abiding citizen. His heart is sincere. He's the kind of young man that every parent would be proud of. And he's at that point in his life where his possibilities for embracing and celebrating life are endless. He's free. He's free to grow, to grow into that beautiful human being that God created him to be. But then, then the curse of the spindle strikes. His life shuts down. His life is empty. He is spiritually asleep and he doesn't know why. And so he takes his problem, he takes his crisis to Jesus, humbly kneeling before him. Good teacher, he asks, what must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, Jesus, what should I do to achieve wholeness of life? What should I do to satisfy this, this hunger, this, this longing in my soul? What should I do to avoid the curse of the spindle? You're a man of God, Jesus. Tell me. Tell me what to do. And Jesus, you remember, questions the man about the kind of life he's been living. You know the commandments, Jesus said. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not testify falsely, do not cheat, honor your father and your mother. 
And with his heart full of sincerity, the rich young man assured Jesus that he'd kept all of these commandments from the time of his youth, ever since he was a young boy. Yes. He'd been living a good life, you see. He'd been living a good life. And that's where Jesus knew that he needed to challenge this young man. That's where Jesus knew that he needed to to help this young man grow spiritually. That's where Jesus knew that he needed to help this man see his place in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus looked at him and lovingly, kindly, knowingly, he said, you lack just one thing. One thing. Go and sell everything you have and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come. Come and follow me. Yes, the rich young man told Jesus that he'd been living a good life. A good life as measured by traditional standards. But Jesus wasn't offering him a good life, was he? Nope. Jesus wasn't offering him a good life. Jesus was offering him a new life, a new challenge, demanding a new and greater commitment, striving for excellence through following him. The rich young man had responded to the word of God as as he had understood it. And that was all well and good. But now, Jesus, the very Son of God, the Messiah and Savior of the world, was challenging this man, saying, put away all of your possessions. Put away all of your money. Put away all of that stuff, stuff that you're relying on to get you through. Put it all away and follow me. Follow me and you will have treasure in heaven. Follow me and you will deepen your relationship with Almighty God. Follow me and you will experience eternal life. That life that you are looking for. That life that you are searching for. That life that you are longing for. Yes, follow me. And you can have it all. You can have it all. Remember that on the night before his death, on the night that he was betrayed by Judas, on the night that he was denied three times by Peter, on that holy night, Jesus prayed to his heavenly Father, And in that prayer, he talked about eternal life. He prayed, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Did you hear that? Jesus prayed, and this is eternal life life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You see, knowing God through Jesus Christ, that's eternal life. Not just knowing about Jesus, 
Not just knowing some of the stories about Jesus. Not just memorizing some verses about Jesus. Not just singing some songs about Jesus. But personally knowing him. Personally knowing Jesus and having a relationship with him. Having a relationship with him. Now friends, I know. I know that we often tend to think of eternal life as something out there, right? As something in the future. And eternal life certainly has a future aspect about it. No question. But did you know? Did you know that throughout the Gospels, eternal life is referred to more often as a quality of life beginning right here and right now. Not just something in the future, not just something out there, but something, a quality of life that we can enjoy, that we can partake in beginning right here and right now. You see, to know God and to love God, not just intellectually, but with our whole being, heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's eternal life. A life which Jesus tells us that we can enter into beginning right here, beginning right now. And that's the kind of life that Jesus was offering this rich young man. But when the young man heard this, as you know, he was shocked and went away grieving. For he had many, many possessions. The curse of the spindle, you see. The curse of the spindle. And Jesus identified this young man's spindle as his money, as his wealth as his many possessions. By grabbing on to those things, by putting those things at the center of his life, by not putting God at the center of his life, this young man had closed off the possibility of ever realizing his full potential. He had closed off the possibility of ever experiencing eternal life. His life without God at the center was always going to be incomplete. His life without God at the center was always going to be fragmented. It was always going to be unrewarding, unsatisfying, unfulfilling. With money and possessions at the center of his life, this young man was always going to be living under a curse. A curse which he himself had cast. Do you see that? Do you understand? In a book entitled, Sin Boldly, But Trust God Even More Boldly, a book that deals with God's wonderful and amazing grace, William Boggs recalls a hot afternoon in South Carolina. He wrote, My family and I came upon an orchard an orchard of peaches that advertised low prices if we were willing to pick the peaches. So we pulled over, paid our money, and then selected a bushel basket to fill with fresh, ripe peaches. 
the old man who was tending the place said to us, if you want the very best fruit, you have to go deeper into the orchard. The peaches along the fringes, you see, have already been picked over. But go deeper into the orchard, and you'll find the very best fruit. Well, said Boggs, we walked a ways, far enough, we figured, and we set our basket down. But the old man, looking through the trees, could see where we were. He yelled, no, not there. Go deeper. Go deeper. So we picked up our basket, walked a little further, and set our basket down. But the old man could still see us through the trees. No, not there, he yelled. Keep on going. The best fruit's further in. Keep on going. Go deeper. Go deeper. This time, said Boggs, we walked a substantially longer distance. And we discovered that indeed the old man was right. The finest, plumpest, sweetest tasting peaches were untouched, just waiting to be picked. Just waiting to be picked. In the same way, said Boggs, what passes for faith in our time is not much different from that experience in the orchard. So often, he wrote, so often we stay around the fringes of our faith, not trying very hard to deepen our faith, content to lead unexamined lives where we know ourselves very little and where we know God even less. Yeah. So no wonder the fruits of our faith taste so bitter in our mouths. No wonder the fruits of our faith bring so little nourishment to our lives. Lives that are, are spiritually famished. Lives that are searching for something that will fill, that will satisfy the deepest hunger of our, of our souls. No wonder so many of us are frustrated. No wonder so many of us are depressed. No wonder so many of us are coming up empty. We play around the fringes of our life, content to be hypnotized and mesmerized by the things that money can buy. Content to be hypnotized and mesmerized by the things that everyone else is doing. Never going deep enough to discover the things that money cannot buy. Never going deep enough to discover that the best things in life really are free. Never going deep enough to discover who we are and whose we are. Never going deep enough to get past the curse of the spindle. You see, the most encouraging, optimistic, and hopeful part of the Christian gospel is that part which invites us to be born again. That part that invites us to be born anew. That part that invites us to be born afresh by the power of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. And that's what Jesus was doing with this young man. That's what Jesus was inviting him to do and to be. But he just couldn't. He just wouldn't. The curse of the spindle 
got in the way. Now, in the story of Sleeping Beauty, we are presented with a handsome young prince making his way through a, a thick forest of thorns and vines to get to the princess. And we in the Christian faith can easily transfer that image to our Lord Jesus Christ, can't we? You see, through the thick forest of sin and death, through the thorns and vines of our security in things rather than in God, our prince, the prince of peace, Jesus Christ, has made his way to us through that old rugged cross we so often sing about. He has made his way to us through that resurrection on Easter morning that we have so many songs that we sing about. He's made his way to us in order to waken us to his love and grace. He's made his way to us to fill our empty lives with the wonders of his forgiveness and his mercy. And thus when we, like the rich young man, ask, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus tells us, just as he's told so many before us, open your eyes. Open your eyes to my loving presence. Open your heart to my mercy and amazing grace. Open your very life to me. Don't be satisfied staying on the fringes of life. Go deeper. Go deeper and keep on going deeper. Go deeper in your faith by being faithful in your prayer life. Go deeper by being faithful in your presence in worship. Go deeper by being faithful in your financial giving. Go deeper by being faithful in your service for others. Go deeper by being faithful in your witness of me to others. Go deeper. Yes, go deeper in your faith, and you will find that your emptiness will be filled, and the curse of the spindle will be broken. Do this, Jesus tells us. Do this in my name, and you will indeed be a faithful follower of mine. And then you will indeed experience eternal life, beginning right here and right now. <sighs> Sounds so good, doesn't it? Sounds so good, but... We know, don't we? We know that humanly speaking, as Jesus said, we just can't do it. We've, we've tried. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we fall flat on our faces, don't we? Again and again and again. Humanly speaking, we just can't do it. But with Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior, and King, at the center of our life. With Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior, and King, as our firm foundation. With Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior, and King, as our rock and our refuge. With him leading the way out of the fringes of life. It is not only a possibility, it will become a reality. As we lean on him, as we lean on those everlasting arms, as we trust in him, as we learn more and more about him, as we walk closer and closer to him, as we deepen our relationship with him, 
the curse of the spindle will be broken. And we will live the life that God intended for us to live, my friends. We will live the life that God created for us to live. The curse of the spindle will be broken. Thanks be to God. As the praise team comes forward, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Holy and precious Lord, uh, what is our spindle? What is our spindle? What or who are we putting at the center of our life other than you? Is it our, our job? Is it money and possessions like the rich young man? Is it our, our security in, in things? Is it our so-called power? Is that our spindle? Is it our, is it our family? Is it our spouse? Those are all important things, Lord. No question. But then that's the curse of our spindle, isn't it? Replacing you. Replacing you with something or someone else. Precious Lord, help us to go deeper in our faith. Go deeper in our faith. Being faithful to you in every way, in every situation. Help us, Lord, to be born again. To be born anew. To be born afresh by your spirit. And may you and you alone be the center of our life. May you and you alone be our firm foundation. May you and you alone, Lord, be our rock and our refuge. Our Lord, Savior, and King of our entire life. May it be so indeed. Amen. This podcast is a service of Bridgeway Community Church in Rockford, Michigan. Visit bridgewaycommunity.org for more information and other messages.